Joining us for Sound Reasoning with Christian apologist and minister Perseus Poku of Sound Reasoning Ministries. It's our prayer that today's program will educate, train, and empower you to defend your Christian faith with confidence. Perseus has his bachelor's in history and a master's degree in apologetics. We hope you enjoy this time of equipping so that you can answer questions to defend your Christian faith effectively. Now here's Perseus Poku on Sound Reasoning. Welcome to Sound Reasoning. I'm your host, Perseus Poku. On today's episode, we wanted to continue our dialogue with our own brother, Ken Samples. Uh, He is a Christian philosopher, theologian, uh, and author of uh, numerous uh, publications. But the one we want to talk about today deals with classic Christian thinkers. Um, And I've enjoyed it in terms of the information that he has in it. And I encourage you to also get a copy for yourself, Classic Christian Thinkers. Uh, Brother Samples, how are you? I'm doing very well. I want to thank you for having me on again. I really appreciate it. Excellent. So we didn't get a chance due to time to finish uh, some of the, or touch on some of the other uh, subjects, other Christian thinkers from the first episode. So on this episode, I wanted to kind of highlight those individuals. So the first person that uh, I want, I would like for you to tell us more about is Athanasius. Uh, if you could just share some information about him and the contribution he made to Christendom. Yeah, Athanasius is, uh, in the minds of many people, maybe maybe the most important early um, church father. His dates are right at, right around 296 to into the 370s, and Athanasius is honored by Catholics and Orthodox and by Protestants. He, he may have been the most skilled theologian of his time. Um, he was at the Council of Nicaea in 325 AD when very serious heresy challenged Christianity, known as as Arianism. There was a presbyter named Arius of Alexander who denied the Trinity and said that that the Son was similar in nature to the Father, but not equal to the Father, Uh, that the Father had created the Son and then through the Son created the world. Well, this Christology, this view of the person of Christ, is very similar to the teachings of modern-day Jehovah's Witnesses, which reject the Trinity and the deity of Christ. And Athanasius uh, was really very much the one who who battled this heresy theologically. He argued that, you know, if Jesus is—only God can save us, so if Jesus is not God, then he can't be our Savior. He recognized that the nature of Christ was critical to his task on the cross. And there's a famous statement that uh, there were many bishops at the time who were considering Arianism, and they said, well, Arius, uh, they said, uh, Athanasius, don't you know the whole world is against you? And Athanasius very boldly, very confidently said, is the world against Athanasius? Then it's Athanasius against the world, or in Latin, <laughs> Athanasius contra mundum. Mm. So again, another courageous and skilled theologian and Christian apologist. Mm. And the next person... And I ran into his story in seminary, uh, but I'd like for you to share with our readers the significance or contributions made by Anselm. Yeah, Anton is a 
Anselm is a very important medieval Christian thinker. So Anselm's dates are uh, 1033 to 1109. So he is kind of in the early part of the the Middle Ages. Um, He becomes one of the great philosopher theologians of his, his era. He develops an argument for the existence of God that is one of the most distinctive, maybe even unique arguments, called the ontological argument. He also develops a defense of uh, the Incarnation, arguing that Jesus had to be God and man in order to reconcile God and man. He defended uh, the Atonement, and I would argue that Anselm is arguably the most important Christian thinker between the time of Augustine and Thomas Aquinas. So Anselm Uh, had strong influence on the Catholic Church, but again, he also influenced many Protestants. Uh, Catholics and Protestants, while they have real differences, they share a common heritage to some degree, and Anselm is one of those great, great thinkers. Thank you for that. And as we move towards the time of the Reformation, (laughs) you also highlight Martin Luther, and I, I believe many of our listeners are acquainted with his name and maybe acquainted uh, uh, with him and the thesis he put on the door. But can you just unpack his significance to Christendom? Yeah, happy to do it. Uh, Luther is born right as the Middle Ages is coming to an end. He he is born in 1483 and dies in 1546. He is he's a, a German. His parents own a, a copper mining business, and so they can afford to give their son a, a really fine education. But Luther is looking for answers to life. He's not sure he wants to be an attorney. He's not sure that money is the ultimate satisfaction in life. And he gets caught in a thunderstorm. And if you've ever seen lightning, it is nature's fury in lightning is, is frightening. And he cries out because he's a Catholic. He cries out, St. Anne uh, save me, I'll become a monk, uh, you know, a prayer for rescue. He is not harmed and ultimately becomes a monk in the Augustinian order. But when he when he is involved in the monastery, he begins to realize how difficult it is to be morally good and to keep the commands of God. He follows the medieval Catholic teaching concerning penance, concerning indulgences, and ultimately finds that He's not sure that he can live the life that will satisfy God. In fact, he says that he begins to resent God, even hate God rather than love him. And uh, he ultimately goes into confession and spends three, four, or five hours trying to confess all of his sins to make sure that God will forgive him. But one of his... um, one of his advisors recommends that he begin to study Scripture, and as he does, reading the book of Romans, the book of Galatians, Paul's writings in particular, he discovers what he says is the doctrine of justification by faith, that that we are saved, we are declared and acquitted of our sin by trusting in Christ, and that good works are important, but they're the fruit of our salvation, not the root of our salvation. And ultimately, uh, he starts an entire new branch of Christendom called Protestantism. 
And I would say that Luther is one of the most important Christian thinkers and one of the most important thinkers in all of Western civilization. Thank you for highlighting his contribution. I think many of us are beneficiaries of the work that God did through Luther in terms of our Christian theology. Um, So glad that uh, Christ's work that he did on the cross is sufficient and that we don't feel as though we can uh, work to pay off our debt to, uh, to God. Uh, I, I appreciate that. We're, we're, we're saved unto good works, uh, but not due to good works. So I appreciate that. Uh, the next person is uh, John Calvin. Can you tell us more about his contribution? Yeah, Calvin is, Calvin is a second generation Protestant reformer. He's actually 26 years younger than Luther, and so Calvin, the Reformation took place over a couple generations. Uh, Calvin's dates are 1509 to 1564, and Calvin doesn't have the kind of charisma that Luther did. Luther was kind of a pathfinder, kind of the one who got the Protestant Reformation moving, but Calvin was more the 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 quiet reformer. He was more of a systematic person, and he took the doctrines of salvation by grace, justification by faith, uh, sola scriptura, scripture as the supreme authority, and he kind of developed a systematic theology of, of Protestantism. Uh, Calvin was very well known for his book, the book, The Institutes of the Christian Religion, which some historians have called one of the ten books that shook the world. Calvin was a a great developer of biblical commentaries. He wrote a commentary on every New Testament book but the book of Revelation, of which he said he had a hard time understanding. Uh, Calvin is sometimes criticized because of his strong views of election and predestination, but in many ways Calvin's view of election and predestination were not all that different than Luther, than Augustine, than Aquinas. And so Calvin not only influences the the Christian Church, but his ideas and his writings actually influence economic theory, capitalism. It influences political theory, democracy. And so some people would argue that, that Calvin and his system of theology is one of the most influential in, in the development of Western civilization. Thank you um, for unpacking that for us. And the next person, uh, some of us are familiar with him due to uh, recent movies based on his book, uh, C.S. Lewis. Uh, Can you tell us more about him and his contribution? Yeah, I think that C.S. Lewis is arguably the most important Christian thinker of the 20th century. Um, uh, Lewis is born right at the end of the 19th century. He's born in 1898, and he dies in 1963. In fact, Lewis dies the very same day that President Kennedy was assassinated here in America. Um, uh, Lewis is born in Ireland, and uh, he is baptized into the Church of Ireland. Uh, his mother is a Christian and his father, but his mother dies very young. His, him and his father kind of have a, a difficult relationship, and Lewis loses his faith in boarding school, and um, he becomes a soldier in the First World War, which uh, 
Great Britain lost more soldiers in World War One than they did in World War Two. Lewis fortunately lives through the war. He was wounded. But when he goes back to Oxford to finish his education, becomes a lecturer, becomes a tutor, he bumps into people like J.R.R. Tolkien, the great author of The Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit. He bumps into other Christian writers and authors who persuade him that Christianity is, is the true myth. It is the true religion. And uh, uh, Lewis has a conversion in his early 30s, first to theism, then later to, to Christianity. He goes on to write some of the most important Christian books of the 20th century, Near Christianity. Uh, InterVarsity called it the, the most important Christian book of the 20th century. He has other books like The Screwtape Letters, The Problem of Pain. Uh, and then, of course, he develops the Chronicles of Narnia, which is uh, fictional literature that uh, often young children read, but also adults. In fact, uh, the Chronicles of Narnia sold more than 100 million copies worldwide. And so Lewis becomes, uh, while he was at one time a skeptic, he becomes a defender of historic Christianity and I think in many ways he is one of the most important apologists in in the last last century for sure. Thank you. I I know just hearing how God used these different individuals for his own kingdom building uh, helps me and I'm sure some of our listeners is helping them to understand that God uses uh, individuals, especially those individuals that are open to be used. And we're sitting here just thinking about some of the great things that God did through the hands of uh, these various people. Uh, there's nothing special about them in, ontologically. It's just that we need to make ourselves available, and God can do some great things through us as well as, as he sees fit and as he uh, instructs us to work in the different venues that he wants us to work in. But I really appreciate just reading about all these various people that came before us, knowing that it's the same God uh, that gave them the information, gave them the knowledge, uh, gave them the insight to be able to unpack some of the mysteries, as Paul talks about, uh, in in Christ. Uh, Can you elaborate on that? Yeah, that, that's very well said. You know, the nine Christian thinkers I talk about, they are they all have feet of clay. They, they all are forgiven sinners. Um, you don't have to agree with everything that they say in order to benefit from them, uh, but they are inspiring people. The, the books they've written are, are extraordinary, and I think in many ways when I think about them, I think of them as mentors, I think of them as friends, people who encourage me. I realize that God forgives sinful people, and he uses us, as you said, as long as we're available. And so I wrote the book really to try to help acquaint a lot of my evangelical friends with church history, and I thought maybe the best way to do it is to kind of tell their stories, because we often like to hear a testimony. We like to hear a biography. And so this is my attempt to kind of introduce the history of our faith by, by selecting key persons in that history. I appreciate that. My next question deals with uh, these different individuals that you did select uh, 
were there other people that you thought about dealing with that didn't make the cut? Yes, very much so. Um, there were a number of them that I would say were um, on the bubble. Um, I had to kind of keep an eye on the length of the book because I I wanted to write it in a very introductory, easy-to-read format. I didn't want it to be too large and too long, which might turn people off, but I thought about including a number of people. I thought about the early Christian apologist Justin Martyr. Mm. I thought about Jerome, one of the great church fathers who lived at the time of Augustine, Jonathan Edwards, Soren Kierkegaard. So there were probably about uh, five to ten others that I thought of including. And again, there there are hundreds of Christian thinkers that are so worth knowing and learning from. And so this is just kind of a uh, one bite at the apple, if you will. So, Brother Samples, from your experience, there are various doctrines um, that you've come in contact with that we're still dealing with. Uh, are, is there anything that pops up in your mind in terms of this doctrine is so prevalent and it's just really recycled because uh, this particular person dealt with it earlier, and here we are still dealing with it. Is, is there a doctrine that pops up in your mind that's really prevalent at this time? Oh, yeah. I, you know, all, most of these great thinkers dealt with various heresies and challenges. I mean, we still have Gnosticism today, the Da Vinci Code, mm. Dan Brown. Mm-hmm. Um, we we have Arianism coming to our door in Jehovah's Witnesses. <laughs> right there, there's Pelagianism. You know the teaching that Pelagius. you can save yourself. Mm-hmm. So heresies they never go away. They kind of get dressed up in spacesuits and make a new appearance <laughs> among us. That is true. That is true. I do appreciate uh, your work. And again, we invite all of our listeners to get a copy for yourself, Classic Christian Thinkers, uh, dealing with uh, the nice individuals that Brother Samples highlights. And I think uh, all of us will be edified by learning about them, learning about their contribution to Christendom, and just learning how to uh, think for God and and how to use our minds for God. Uh, Brother Samples, can you reiterate again where they can go to get a copy of your book? Yeah, thank you for having me on again. Um, uh, you can go to reasons.org. It's the um, it's the online source for reasons to believe, and my book is available, and I think it's cheaper on reasons.org than it is on Amazon.com. Well, thank you again, and we encourage you to keep allowing God to use you uh, to share with the church so we can be further edified. So thank you for being on Sound Reasoning. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you. Amen. That's Brother Ken Samples, um, the author, apologist. And again, uh, the book is called Classic Christian Thinkers, uh, which deals with a variety of uh, individuals uh, who are Christian thinkers and have helped the church to uh, struggle with various doctrines in order to better explain them. So individuals such as Irenaeus and Athanasius and St. Augustine and even uh, Ansem, Thomas Aquinas and Martin Luther, uh, John Calvin, 
Blaise Pascal, C.S. Lewis, and um, there are just so many more individuals that God has used uh, to contribute to our Christian welfare and to uh, come up with a unified uh, explanation of what we believe. So for those of you that are listening, again, I challenge you to allow uh, the Holy Spirit to influence you enough that you'll be open to study and read the Bible for all it's worth, and then to uh, endeavor to rightly divide the word of truth uh, because the gospel uh, forces us to go ye therefore and, and, and to share the good news of Jesus Christ. And in sharing this good news of Jesus Christ, invariably somebody will ask us why. And when they ask us the why, we can't lean onto our own understanding. We must respond from a Bible-based perspective. And so we are obligated to make sure that whatever we tell those people in our lives is consistent with Scripture. Uh, Whether you're going to the grocery store, whether you're uh, dropping your children off at school, uh, whether you're inside the church, uh, whether you're on vacation, doesn't matter where you are. God is calling on all of us to be ready to give each man or woman an answer, a reason for the hope that lies within us, and also to do it with gentleness and respect. So we pray that uh, you, you got something out of this episode, and we always encourage our listeners to not be sedentary in their Christendom. Jesus wants you to do something for him. So it doesn't matter what your avocation is. If God has called you, he's called you to a specific work. And it's our prayer that you find that work and that you go about your business living for Christ. So please remember to do for the truth what so many people uh, do for a lie. And we are encouraging every single person that claimed to be a Christian, especially in the uh, days that we live in. Uh, seems like everybody is coming out, but Christians also need to come out and be bold in their faith and to have the compassion and the love of Jesus Christ, knowing that it's the good news of Jesus Christ that will minister to the needs of hurting people. It's the good news of Jesus Christ that will minister to the needs of hurting people. It's not through anything else. There's no other name by which man can be saved by the name of Jesus Christ. So since we have the remedy for sin, uh, we must be careful and we must be uh, intentional in our approach in sharing this good news. And this good news will help us in our relationships. It will help us in our worship, it will help us in our, uh, within our families. It will help us in our jobs. The good news of Jesus Christ does work. We just need to make sure that we are uh, walking in grace, walking in his favor, and being ready to answer the questions that others have. Why is it that we do the things we do? So again, remember to do for the truth what so many do for a lie. God bless you.
Thanks for listening to Sound Reasoning with apologist and minister Perseus Poku from Sound Reasoning Ministries. It's our prayer that today's lesson has equipped you to share and defend your Christian faith with boldness. Sound Reasoning Ministries offers training in apologetics, biblical studies, and systematic theology. Join in on discussions on Facebook at Sound Reasoning Ministries. For more information about the ministry, to send an email, ask a question, or support the ministry, visit online at srministries.org. That's srministries.org. Listen again next week at this same time. And remember, Titus 1.9 says, Hold firm to the trustworthy message as has been taught so that you can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. Sound Reasoning Ministries, srministries.org. If you're tired of parenting advice and news headlines that are more confusing than assembling IKEA furniture, we've got just the podcast for you. My dear friend Abby and I are here to help you navigate the parenting roller coaster. Should your kids be on social media? What should you tell a friend facing an unplanned pregnancy? These are just some of the many questions we tackle on our podcast. Subscribe to The Real Deal of Parenting wherever you find your podcast.